In the November 2008 elections, California voters approved Proposition 8, an amendment to California's constitution that limits marriage to a man and a woman. The court will decide if a lower court rightly struck down the voter-approved ban as unconstitutional. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Be. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. Every politician who is taking donations from the NRA. It is because America has not invested in its people. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen. And here we are. You're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? Fellow Americans, it's time, it's time to speak out. They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. We call We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, yes we, we can. can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring me down. children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public, to public Access, Access America. America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. With this morning's calendar, uh, the two cases. First is Perry versus Hollingsworth and County of Imperial. Please proceed. Good morning, Your Honor, and may it please the court. <clears throat> My name is Charles Cooper. I represent the appellants in number 10 16696. Nice to see you again, Mr. Cooper. It's a pleasure to be here, Judge Reinhardt. Thank you very much. Uh, the appellants are official proponents of uh, Proposition 8 and the official campaign committee, protectmarriage.com. There are two jurisdictional issues uh, before the court this morning. The first one is whether this court has jurisdiction to review the merits of the district court's decision striking down Proposition 8 as unconstitutional. And the second jurisdictional issue is whether the uh, district court itself had jurisdiction to enter a sweeping statewide order enjoining enforcement of Proposition 8 on behalf of all same-sex couples, despite the fact that the complaint itself was brought by four individual plaintiffs seeking relief on behalf of themselves without any claims on behalf of a class nor any request for class certification. Speaking to the standing issue, uh, Your Honor, uh, the, the question is whether the proponents have standing or whether Imperial County has standing, and Mr. Tyler will speak to that 
issue momentarily. With respect to the proponents, we submit that this issue is controlled by the Supreme Court's decision in Karcher against May. In that case, uh, plaintiffs brought uh, a First Amendment challenge to a moment of silence law in the state of New Jersey, a 1983 suit. Uh, they sued the state's education officials, state and local education officials, and no one else. The attorney general in that case and the state and local education officials declined to defend the moment of silence statute. And in the default of the official defendants, uh, the court uh, allowed the uh, speaker of the assembly and the president of the Senate on behalf of the legislature to represent the state's interests in defending its statutes. The Supreme Court rejected the claim that the speaker and the president of the Senate were not proper parties defendants, that they did not have standing. And the reason they did was because the New Jersey Supreme Court had previously, in a case uh, called Forsyth, allowed the legislative officers to intervene uh, on behalf of uh, the legislature to represent the state's interests in defending a statute in that case. That was a redistricting statute. Was that before or after Arizonans for Official English? The uh, case you just referred to. The, the, uh, the Karcher case? Yes. Your Honor, I, that was, that was uh, uh, before Arizonans. So it couldn't have discussed Judge Ginberg's statement in Arizonans that the court has never allowed the proponent of a ballot initiative to have standing, Article Three standing. Uh, that that is true, Your Honor. It, it could not have. But the proponents uh, in this case are really uh, in precisely the same shoes as the legislative officers were in the Karcher case, because, uh, Your Honor, under the law of the state of California, uh, the proponents, uh, in fact, uh, proponents of initiative measures are routinely and regularly allowed to intervene to defend the measures uh, that, they, uh, that they have uh, proposed and, and advocated. In state court proceedings? Yes, Your Honor, in state court proceedings. What's your best case for uh, allowing a proponent of a ballot measure Article Three standing in federal court on appeal? Your Honor, I don't have a case for uh, allowing a proponent Article Three standing. Uh, I, I am here advocating that this case be one that allows proponents Article Three standing to defend. Justice Ginsburg said, and it may have been dicta, but said in the Arizona case that uh, she wasn't aware of any Arizona case uh, which afforded standing uh, to the proponents. Uh, do you believe that there's a California case, which well, she said actually Arizona law, which may have included not only a statute, but a Supreme Court ruling, or may not. But are you aware of uh, any California law uh, which states that the proponents do have standing? Your Honor, uh, in fact, the case of Strauss, uh, which involved these very proponents, uh, 
being allowed to intervene to defend the validity of this very proposition is, uh, we would submit, directly on point and is precisely analogous to the Forsyth case. Well, but Strauss really didn't talk about where you as proponents are agents of the state. Strauss only talks about you as proponents as agents of your proposition. We're in a different situation here. Your Honor, uh, uh, Forsyth itself uh, t talked about the uh, legislative officers being allowed to intervene on behalf of the legislature in that case as authorized to represent the state's interests. Let me ask uh, you a question, a little bit different question. Mm -hmm. There's no question the Attorney General has a duty to defend all the causes to which the state or any state officer is a party in his, in his official capacity. Did you ever seek an injunction or an order or anything suggesting that the Attorney General should appear and appeal? And if in fact he did not appeal, allow you to appeal? Your Honor, we, we didn't uh, uh, seek to enjoin or otherwise method the Attorney General to exercise Well, if his the Attorney General has the power to do it in his official capacity or a duty to defend all causes to which the state is a party, wouldn't that have been an appropriate way for you to have made sure of your ability to seek standing here? Your Honor, we Didn't urge someone do we, that? Didn't someone go to the California Supreme Court and seek to compel the Attorney General to appear? Judge, Judge Reinhardt, I believe you're correct. A lawsuit was brought. It was not uh, one that we, uh, that, that I or my clients were in any way involved in, and the suit was unsuccessful. Uh, but the point, I guess, uh, uh, Your Honor, I would make is that I have little doubt that in the Forsyth case uh, referenced in, in Karcher that the Attorney General there also clearly had authority to uh, defend uh, the New Jersey uh, statute at issue there and to take an appeal, but that Attorney General declined to do that. The uh, New Jersey Attorney General declined to do that just as the California Attorney General in this case has declined to do it. And yet, in Karcher, the, uh, the uh, United States Supreme Court uh, recognized that the uh, legislative officers had, uh, had the authority to not only uh, intervene at the trial level and defend the moment of silence statute, but also to notice and take an appeal and that they were proper to, uh, parties, not just in the trial court, but also in the Third Circuit. And uh, again, Your Honor, I would, I, I would urge the court that, uh, that, that the law, uh, the state law relied upon by the Karcher Court as, uh, as demonstrating that the legislative officers 
in that case had authority to represent the state's interest in defending a statute was a New Jersey Supreme Court decision, just like the California Supreme Court decision that we submit uh, establishes the law on which we rely. That is the law, in, in fact, involving these very proponents where the California Supreme Court allowed uh, these proponents to intervene in the Strauss case and to defend the constitutionality under the state uh, constitution, just like Forsyth, uh, to defend the constitutionality of, of Proposition 8 when no one else would do so. Uh, all of the state defendants refused to defend that statute, or at least, and in fact, I challenge the constitutionality of that statute. The only party defending the constitutionality of the statute across the board in Strauss were these, these proponents. And in that case, I, I hasten to add, the California Supreme Court denied intervention status to another group, a group that was not the official proponent of Proposition 8, but had been an active uh, group involved in the campaign itself and sought to come in and intervene as well. Uh, now, in the Strauss case, also, uh, at the Court of Appeals level, uh, excuse me, it wasn't in the Strauss case, it was in the marriage cases, at, at the Court of Appeals level, the, uh, the, the Court of Appeals denied intervention to a group that was not the official proponents, but it's but it stated that we make no uh, ruling with respect to under whether under our law the official proponents would be authorized in the uh, default of the state officials in lieu of state officials who have declined to defend would be authorized to come in and represent essentially the state's interest in defending a state statute. So they recognize the distinction. One further question about uh, the d earlier discussion about whether anyone tried to get the court to compel the attorney general. Uh, that was a writ of mandate, mandate suit, as I recall. Did the court say anything about that or just denied? Uh, Judge Reiner, forgive me. I, I don't uh, have the uh, a specific recollection of the uh, of the court's uh, ruling in that case. Better to uh, say you don't know than to guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we can yeah. we can certainly check that. Um, yes. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. You know, uh, there there are two of you arguing in this half hour, so yes. I guess you'll each save whatever time you want. Is it? Or did we say you only? one would respond. You, you, I, you designated that only one of us would be uh, eligible to... to uh, uh, Fine. That, that was a wise decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in, and in the light of that uh, directive, and in light of the fact that I'm at the podium first, I would like to reserve the balance of my time, which is uh, just a couple of minutes, for rebuttal. Certainly. Thank you.
Sorry for this delay. May it please the court. My name is Robert Tyler. The plaintiffs think that justice is served where appellate review is frustrated in this case, where the state defendants circumvent any defense to state law that they're politically opposed to. Well, I don't think they're talking about justice. They're talking about procedural rules. So yes, Your Honor. Why don't you start by telling us where Dolores Provencio is? Uh, I'm sorry, Your Honor. Could you repeat that? Could you tell us where Dolores Provencio is? You know who she yes, is. Yes, Your Honor. She's uh, the clerk. Yes, Your Honor. She is, uh, she's not our client. I cannot speak on her behalf. Um, the fact is, is that the deputy clerk, Ms. Vargas, is a commissioned uh, officer. She is a, uh, under the California Family Code and the Government Code, she is a civil commissioner of marriage. She has all the same responsibilities. In the county of Imperial, there are anything, two persons. Is there anything in the record to suggest that she's acting with the clerk's authority? Uh, Your the answer, Honor. The answer is no, isn't it? There's nothing that says that, that the clerk has designated her. We have a declaration from uh, our supervisor, uh, one of the supervisors of, of the county. We have her, we have the declaration of Ms. Vargas that specifically says that she has these responsibilities. And I, I'd like to add and remind the court that this, in a, in a petition to intervene, the court is to assume the facts to be true. And well, Ms. Vargas Well, what facts can we assume about the fact that there's nothing in the record to indicate that your client, Ms. Vargas, has any authority whatsoever to attempt to intervene in the litigation? In, in her declaration, she says she has responsibilities. You're repeating yourself now. Well, Your Honor. But there's nothing in the record to indicate that she's acting on the authority of the clerk, correct? Nothing that says she is acting on the authority of the clerk. That is correct. But is the clerk in Imperial County elected or appointed? Your Honor, uh, the, the clerk is, as I recall, you don't it, know it is appointed. She is appointed, Your Honor. By whom? And she is, she is appointed by the Board of Supervisors. And in this particular case, Your Honor, what's important is it's the fact that the official duties of an officer are altered as a result of the outcome of the case. Well, is, just a minute, if we could. It seems to me that if I read a 1922 case out of California, Fout versus her knee, it says all political functions of an office remain vested in the county officer who would continue to exercise them himself when present. And in the absence, they would only be exercised by the deputy in the name of or as an act of the principal. So I guess I'm again worried that this clerk can only act as an agent of the principal, and if the clerk isn't here, we have a problem. Well, Your Honor, uh, I, I would disagree because the cases- You disagree with Fout? Your Honor, the, I, I believe that the government code is, uh, provides the, the ability to commission uh, other persons within the clerk's office. Well, there's that no it question they have the ability to commission. However, their ability to act is what we're really about here. And given Fout, which was about what deputies may do, or given Sarter versus Siskiyou County, 
given what deputies may do in both of those cases, they suggest they're only mere agents of the principal. Your Honor, uh, I, I understand. But the, f the, the fact is, is that this is a, a government position. This is a person who has duties of duties that are designated by the California Family Law Code, designated by the California Health and Safety Code. These are acts that this person is carrying out. And as a result, her duties will be altered. She is enjoined by the court's uh, uh, injunction. She is- Is it your position that she's bound by the injunction? Yes, Your Honor. Uh, she is- I thought your brief said exactly to the contrary. No, Your Honor, if I, if I may clarify, the fact is, is that Judge Walker's order binds her. Judge Walker's order says that all persons under the control and authority of the state registrar uh, are to be bound. Judge Walker, in his denial of intervention, specifically said that all county clerks are uh, subordinates or under the supervision and have no authority to disregard That's not the correct, state officers. It's not correct that she is under the authority of the registrar. I thought she was an independent officer. Yeah, and, and, Your Honor, that, that we believe is correct. However, the fact of the matter is, is Judge Walker issued an order. In, well, that, in, that's he, a different question, whether Judge Walker thought that she was bound in that capacity uh, as a uh, subordinate of the registrar. And that may lead you to a different theory, that because she thinks she's bound, she has a risk of being held in contempt. And that may give her some uh, ground to <coughs> complain that she is bound or in risk of being bound. But as far as actually being bound, uh, in her marriage capacity, she is, I understood your position, is an independent officer. Uh, of the state with duties that are set forth in the code, and she's not subordinate to the registrar. Isn't that correct? Uh, that is right, Your Honor, in the fact that uh, we believe that as a, uh, in, in official duties under the Family Law Code to issue marriage licenses, to perform marriage some ceremonies, and to determine the statutory requirements, uh, to determine whether or not the statutory requirements are satisfied with an, when an applicant comes before her, she comes under the supervision of the Board of Supervisors. Well, let me ask you a question about that. Do you, are you suggesting the clerks are state officers? Uh, Your Honor, they, they are statutory officers. They're are not- Are they state officers performing state functions? No, Your Honor, they're local. They they're are not local state officers? officers? I, I believe that they are local officers. They're, they're, they are uh, individuals who are statutorily uh, offices that are statutorily created under the government code. Well, and then they, how, do I, how do I get around the language in Lockyer which suggests they are state officers in this duty that they undertake? Well, they, they do come because they're performing a state function, in, and that is the issuance of marriage license, which is a statewide concern. So they're and, state officers as they do that? Your Honor, I, I would concede. I'm not sure that that necessarily is what this case turns on because what the case turns on is whether or not in her capacity at the local level, 
whether or not her duties will be altered as a result of the outcome of this case. Let me, uh, if, you, if you really are, are insistent upon that, let me turn to some language in Locke here. It says, if, however, the controlling rule of law requires an official to carry out a ministerial duty dictated by statute, unless and until the statute has been judicially determined to be unconstitutional, it follows that such an official cannot compel, cannot compel a court to rule on the constitutionality of the issue. Your Honor, I... That's the language. That's right. And, and Lockyer stands for a very important proposition here. In, in that situation, the city and county of San Francisco is attempting to violate the law. The county of Imperial stands here today well, is, seeking to is, uphold the law. This is a question with... I understand the clerk's not attempting to get the court to make a ruling. The court attempted to make the clerk perform a duty. Lockyer was the opposite circumstance, wasn't it? That is exactly right, Your Honor. And in Lockyer, what, what the court reflected upon was just the... A, well, just a minute. Let's go a little bit further. If the clerks are the state officers and they cannot compel the court to rule and the attorney general has the duty to defend those officers, then why would the clerk have standing separate from the attorney general? Your Honor, uh, let me refer you to a case, uh, Richardson versus Ramirez. In, in, in that case, there were three clerks who were, who were sued and the Secretary of State in regard to uh, registration of, of felons for purposes of voting. In that case, the Mendocino County clerk had the ability to take this case and defend where there were no other defenders. And that is what is so important about this case, is there is not a single governmental defender defending this action. And here we have a governmental defender who's willing to come to this court and wants to assure that they are not placed in the legally conflicted position that is the outcome of Judge Walker's injunctive order. Suppose the voters of California passed a proposition that said in every case in which first degree murder is charged, the prosecutor shall without exception seek the death penalty. Um, and a, uh, a deputy county attorney in Imperial County didn't want to seek the death penalty. Could they challenge the constitutionality of the provision? The deputy, uh, in, in their individual capacity, could file an action and, and, and challenge it in state law. They could not, on their own, decide to violate the law, which is exactly what happened. So this, in suppose the opposite occurred. Suppose a U.S. District Court held that proposition unconstitutional and a deputy county attorney in Imperial County who wanted to seek the death penalty in every first-degree murder case sought to intervene and sought standing on appeal. Would they have it? I believe that a, that a deputy attorney would have Does standing. Does a deputy attorney have the same statutory duty that a deputy clerk has? Yeah, well, is there, what is the state code provision that authorizes deputy prosecutors uh, to perform those duties? Your it's Honor. The same as, as the district attorney of the county. 
Your Honor, the, in, in, the, in our particular case, uh, Ms. Vargas has the same responsibilities as she has asserted in her uh, under declaration. The, under the code, she is given the same duties as the, the clerk. She has the same responsibilities, and she has stated that in her declaration. And those are assumed to well, be true, do you know and they have the, not been deputy, contradicted. Deputy prosecutor has the same authority as a deputy, as the attorney, county attorney? Your Honor, I've never been a deputy prosecutor. All right, but then I why don't, don't you say you don't know the answer? I don't know the answer, but I don't think the case turns on that. Let me, it doesn't matter whether it turns on it. When you're asked a question and you don't know the answer, say so. As your colleague did. Well, let me ask you this question. Two county clerks uh, were named in this lawsuit, Alameda and Los Angeles. Is that right? That's correct. And I believe both of them responding saying they didn't want to uh, uh, defend the proposition or they were comfortable with a ruling that said it was unconstitutional. Am I correct so far? Yes, that's right. Could a deputy clerk in either Los Angeles County or Alameda County come into court and seek standing saying, I don't agree with my boss? Your Honor, uh, I believe they should have the ability if they have official duties. How However, long do you think he would last taking that action? <laughs> I mean, practically. Well, Your Honor, precisely the problem, and, and maybe precisely why we don't have any other governmental defenders coming to this court. When we have the county of Imperial, and we have a, we have a clerk who's saying, I perform these responsibilities on a day-to-day -day basis. You have, a, and I you have a deputy clerk. Let us not forget that. Uh, yes, Your Honor. And we're but, left completely at mystery to know why the clerk is not before us. Your Honor, uh, again, I don't speak for the uh, clerk herself. If she wanted to prohibit the deputy clerk from uh, being involved in this case, uh, she could have we stepped just don't forward know. and said so. We just don't so. know, do we? Your Honor, I don't believe that is, is a, an issue that this case should be decided upon whether or not she's involved or not. The, it is an the, issue that concerns some of us on the panel. I can understand that, Your Honor. And, but the, but and it, we're wondering why there is not a single sentence in her affidavit saying that she's acting on the authority of the clerk. Your Honor, uh, Is she the joined fact, with the Board of Supervisors in this case? I'm sorry, Your Honor. Is she joined with the Board of Supervisors in this case? Yes, the Board of Supervisors and, is uh, involved. Did you in say before that the Board of Supervisors appoints the clerk? Uh, Your Honor, I, I was mistaken. I was given a note that the clerk is elected. And as my time is coming to a close, if I may, if I may just conclude, I see my time is up. Let me ask you one more question about this. I read Livingston versus Pacheco a California case that suggests that the Attorney General is the only person to whom authority given by the law to appear for the people, but he may delegate the authority to appear, and in that case did. Did you ask the Attorney General for the authority to appear? Uh, we did not, Your Honor, and, and I, I would... And you uh, did not, you the, are not appearing for the people, I assume. Your Honor, we are appearing on behalf of the county, the county clerk, who have direct responsibility responsibilities to issue marriage licenses, just like the county clerks in every other marriage case that has been brought before court, it is the county clerks who are sued. And if I may conclude, uh, Your Honor, the outcome of this case will alter my client's official duties. Ms. Vargas is bound by an injunctive order. 
that has placed her in a legally conflicting position. Does she comply with the California Constitution or does she comply with Judge Walker's order? And the cases are, are clear that, they, that that gives her not only a right to intervene, but standing in this case. Thank Did you. Judge Walker say your client was bound by the injunction? Uh, your Honor, Judge Walker uh, specifically said that our client has no authority to you're not, answering uh, my, you're not answering my question. He did, he did not say directly. Up, we're taking up other people's time. Yes or no, did Judge Walker say your client, Ms. Vargas, was bound by the injunction? No, Your Honor, but he did so uh, through two different orders, in my opinion. And he did so by saying that in, in the denial of intervention, that our client is, is essentially subordinate to the state registrar and stating that they had, that my client had Ms. Vargas had no authority to disregard. And if he's in error about that? Uh, Your Honor, we, we do believe that there is error, but he did in fact do that, and therefore my client is bound by the injunction. All right, thank you very thank much. You. Mr. Cooper? Oh, I'm sorry. No, who is Mr. Boyes? Yes, Your Honor. You. May it please the court. Um, my name is David Boyes, and together with Theodore Olson, uh, we represent the plaintiffs. Um, let me begin by answering one of the court's questions um, with respect to the uh, effort to get a mandate requiring the attorney general or governor uh, to appeal. Uh, that was simply a one-sentence denial. Uh, the court did not uh, provide any, um, uh, any, any further analysis. Uh, I also uh, would like to uh, just be, be certain the record is clear. The permanent injunction that was issued by um, Judge Walker below relates only to the official defendants and persons under the control or supervision of those defendants. So now, if Judge Walker was wrong about the registrar controlling county clerks, then Ms. Vargas is not bound by the injunction, correct? Th that, is, that is correct, Your Honor. And if she's not bound by the injunction, how does she have standing? Uh, we, don't, we do not believe that she does, Your Honor. And we believe that this court's decision in the city of South Lake Tahoe uh, makes absolutely clear that individuals like Ms. Vargas, even if she were the actual clerk, which she obviously is not, would not have standing. Uh, so to, are you saying that only the clerks of Los Angeles and Alameda are bound by this injunction? Uh, no, Your Honor. In, in addition, the Attorney General and the Governor uh, are bound. But, but what about the clerks? The clerks issue the licenses. Are they bound by the injunction or not? They are not directly bound by the injunction, Your Honor. The so way how are they bound if not directly? Uh, because it is up, as the court held, the uh, California Supreme Court held in Lockyer, um, marriage is a statewide concern, not a local or municipal concern. Yes. The, the forms and the rules come from the state to the, to the localities. If the and injunction were lifted, if this our stay was lifted, the injunction was in force, could the county clerk in San Diego County refuse a marriage license to a same-sex couple? She could without violating this injunction. However, if she did so, then the attorney general would, as the attorney general did in Lockyer, act to make the enforcement uniform. That would be a state proceeding. In other so words, what would happen then is that no one is bound by this injunction other than the two counties. And if they want to enforce this court order, they have to go to state court, 
which would be free to determine the issue of gay marriage again, except maybe in those two counties. Uh, but you say the attorney general can go to state court. Is that right? Uh, yes and no, Your Honor. Um, uh, uh, yes, that is right with respect to the two counties. However, with respect to the remainder of the state, um, uh, under California state law, uh, uh, Article 5, Sections 1 and 13, give the power to execute the laws and enforce the laws to the governor and to the attorney general. And if, since the, uh, the, the injunction does run not only to the two counties, but to the governor and the attorney general in their official capacities as well, those individuals would have the responsibility for making the law uniform. But what, is, what, what, what does Ms. Vargas do? Is she supposed to uh, run the risk of contempt? I mean, you, she's, her lawyer is sitting here today. I s suppose after this proceeding is over, he will go tell her that in the opinion of plaintiff's counsel uh, that she's not bound by the injunction. What's she supposed to do? Uh, Your Honor, if, if, if the court were to affirm the um, judgment below or if the court were to hold that it does not have jurisdiction to reverse it, then two things would happen. The state defendants, the attorney general and the governor, would move to try to make uniform the law within California. Where are that they going to move this? I'm sorry? Where will they move? Where will they move? They will move in the state courts just like they did in Lockyer. So uh, we're back to where we started. Uh, uh, we have a federal decree that's effective in two counties, <laughs> and then the attorney general can move to the state court, uh, and we don't know what the state court will do. No, Your Honor, I, th I, think, we, I think we do know what, what the state court will do from Lockyer, because in Lockyer, uh, what the state Supreme Court held were that the county clerks were just ministerial officials and that they had to apply the law as set forth by the attorney general and by the governor. So what you would find is that that is an enforcement proceeding. Okay. I do not you believe that enforcement the, proceeding the, would be necessary. The state court and the, the attorney general and the governor could have skipped this whole proceeding and just said to all the county clerks, enforce the law which we find to be, we find the, uh, the proposition to be unconstitutional and uh, you go enforce it because we have decided that? Not, not exactly, Your Honor. Um, what happened was that we had the trial below before Judge Walker. Um, Judge Walker has, after the trial and based on the trial, enjoined the governor and the uh, and the Attorney General. All it, defendants. Uh, all the defendants. It, uh, but, but in this, yes, Your Honor, exactly. All the defendants. And that phrase was the makeup of all defendants was chosen by plaintiff's counsel, and you chose to name only Alameda and Los Angeles clerks. Yes, Your Honor, that is exactly right. And you made no effort in district court to get a defendant class certified. We did not, Your Honor. Or a plaintiff class. We did not, Your Honor. Uh, we, we proceeded exactly um, as... Uh, and that was a tac knowing tactical choice. It's not that you forgot to name the other 50 or no. whatever the number is, county we, clerks. We, we could have done that, Your Honor, uh, and, and, and we did not. Uh, just, just as the uh, plaintiff uh, in Romer, uh, for example, 
uh, did not proceed uh, by class action. Um, and, and indeed, uh, just as uh, the Lockyer uh, case uh, was not a class action, where uh, the California Attorney General proceeded against the city and county of San Francisco. Who were the only ones with violating the law as they yeah. conceived it. And, and ex but exactly, Your Honor. I don't understand uh, your answer, other than that, as of now, uh, nobody is bound except the two clerks in Los Angeles and Alameda. No, no, Your Honor. No other clerks are bound. No other clerks are directly bound. That, that is true. But because all clerks, all of the county clerks, are ministerial officials who simply issue marriage licenses to whoever the state determines is entitled to marriage licenses. That is simply a, a ministerial function. That function is the same before or after this court's decision. Well, then why did you need anything to tell that to the clerks? If the attorney general can tell the clerks what the law is and they're ministerial, or the governor can, you didn't need this case at all. No, Your Honor, we did, we did need this case because in the absence of this case, the attorney general and governor would not have told the... Oh, I think, uh, I think at the least clerks. the attorney general would have told them that. <laughs> uh, I thought he made it pretty clear that he I, I, knew what the law was. I, I, I think, Your Honor, that the Attorney General perhaps would have liked to have told them that, but I think that in the absence of a judicial determination uh, that that was the law, I don't think the Attorney General would have. And indeed, both the Attorney General and the Governor have continued to enforce this law while this case has been proceeding. That is, this court stayed the district court decision, but they could have, based on the district court decision, tried to change the law in California. They've not done that. Let me ask you a question about that. And uh, it, it's my understanding that these particular initiatives could not have been vetoed by the governor, correct? Yes, sir. It's also my understanding that the legislature could not even amend them unless approved again by the voters. That is correct, Your Honor. So if that's so, I guess my, my problem is that, in fact, the governor's actions and the attorney general's actions have essentially nullified the considerable efforts that were made on behalf of the initiative to be placed on the ballot and obtain passage. Your Honor, I, I, would, I would disagree with you for, for the following reason. Um, they don't appeal, and therefore no one can appeal. Haven't they effectively nullified the effect? Only, only in the sense, Your Honor, that in every standing case, if a state official does not appeal, it, quote, nullifies it. For example, in the, the, the answer but, then is yes. To just, it, it, the, answer, the, the question, I mean, the honest answer to that is yes. Because what we really have here then is we have an attorney general and a governor with no ability to nullify acts of the people. And then by just not appealing, they in fact do it. That what they do, Your Honor, and I think, I think the distinction is important is that they do not appeal a federal district court decision after a trial, finding that it's unconstitutional. 
that's exactly the same thing that happened, for example, in Diamond against Charles. Well, but, uh, but I guess my worry is that by suggesting they won't appeal, are they really suggesting they're not willing to enforce the initiative? No, Your Honor, because... Why? Because, what do because I go they to? are enforcing it right now. They are enforcing well, it right now. Well, you're suggesting that they're doing what they need to do at the present, but they've in fact says, I give up. I don't care. It's over. I'm going to take, I'm not going to enforce. And, and I, I agree that that is so, Your Honor. But what, what I suggest to you is that that is true in every standing case. Every time the United States Supreme Court decides, as they did in Diamond against Charles, that because the state of Illinois officials have decided not to continue to defend after the initial uh, uh, decisions, well, they the didn't Illinois defend the, at the initial level either. I'm sorry, what? They did not defend in the trial either. No, that, that's in, in that, I, I don't believe that's accurate in, in Diamond what against Charles. What did they do Diamond. at the trial? Uh, in, in, in Diamond against Charles. No, no, were, in this case. No, in, in this, in this yes. case, they did not actively defend right. at the So trial. they didn't defend, and Judge, what Judge Smith said to you, where the governor is not supposed to have a veto, the people are supposed to be able to elect, uh, to pass a proposition unless it's constitutional. No officials will defend the, pro the, the uh, initiative. Uh, that does not seem to be consistent with the initiative system where the people are allowed to pass a measure and if the state doesn't defend it, uh, it's just tossing in the towel. Your Honor, with, with, with respect, I think there is a different issue as to who has standing yeah. to appeal well, and I, what you I know think that, but Judge Smith was asking you yes, isn't well. this contrary to a system where the governor is not allowed to veto this measure but he can in effect veto it the, the, if he and the Attorney General will not defend it. Didn't, no, Justice, no, no, no. didn't Justice Ginsburg speak to this in Arizonans? Yes, Your Honor. I mean, Judge Reinhardt and I were both on the official English case, and as it turns out, the wrong side. <laughs> I thought it was the right side. <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, the Arizona Supreme Court ruled exactly the way uh, that uh, John Reinhardt, Judge Reinhardt's opinion, but mm -hmm. he made that argument, and I thought it was a strong and engaging argument, but Justice Ginsburg didn't think a whole lot of it, did she? I, I, I think that's exactly right, Your Honor. And, and the United States Supreme Court has many times, uh, including in, in that case and in the Valley Forge Christian College case that we cited in our briefs, said that the fact that there's no one to defend does not give standing. Well, did my you? worry is not necessarily to the standing but to another issue which is pretty vital to you in the fact that they will not defend or will not even appeal to let those who would defend the, the, the initiative argue, are they in fact not enforcing the statute? Your Honor, I, I don't think so. And I think that that is a question of California state law in any event. That is not something that affects the jurisdiction of this court. Do I have any California law directly on point? I didn't find any. If you I, want I think, me to find some, I'll go look at it. Okay. I, I think I, I think the only the only case, Your Honor, that I um, 
uh, would ask you to, to look at in that respect would be the, um, uh, the Lockyer case, uh, which we referred to well, before. Boys, if the California law is not clear or does not uh, at present uh, specifically authorize uh, the proponents, uh, and what Justice Ginsburg said in her dictum uh, was she didn't find any Arizona law that authorized it, why shouldn't we ask the California Supreme Court what the law is in California. I believe that if this court believes it is unclear what the law is, that would be an appropriate approach. Um, however, uh, I, I would urge you that based on what both the California Appellate Court and the California Supreme Court uh, said in the Proposition 22 uh, litigation, uh, uh, that it is clear that whatever the intervention rights may be, they do not have standing. They said the proponents don't proponents have standing? Proponents do not have, will not have standing. For example, in the, uh, uh, in the Proposition 22 case, yeah. the fund that was involved. But they weren't the proponents, were they? Well, uh, they were put forward as the proponents. Well, the that doesn't fool the court. Uh, uh, they were not the proponents. They were not the proponents. They were not strictly the, the proponents, Your Honor. Well, see, um, I don't know what strictly means. They uh, were not the proponents. Uh, they, they, they claimed to be the proponents. Uh, but they and, were not. And, and the best I, I they could say they is one board member was on both. Right, I mean, exactly. That was the best. That, 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 that's the most you could say. Uh, so I don't see what we would have to lose, do you, by asking the California Supreme Court certifying the question? And uh, they can tell us very quickly if they'd like. Uh, I think that I, I think if you if you concluded that it was unclear, and if you concluded that that would in fact uh, provide uh, Article Three standing, that would be the appropriate mm -hmm. approach. I would urge the court that um, uh, while that kind of authorization is a necessary condition, it is not a sufficient condition for Article Three standing in any event. Well, um, why, why, given what Justice Ginsburg said about the Arizona initiative, that what she wanted to know was whether the, under the Arizona law, uh, the proponent would have standing. And in fact, I think they even asked the proponents to supply them with the, with the Arizona law. Yes. Uh, why don't, why do you think that wouldn't be enough? Uh, in the uh, Justice Ginsburg's opinion, after stating that in Karcher, state legislators were given authority, uh, she said, however, these proponents are not elected officials, and this court has never recognized proponents. Now, she goes on to say that under Arizona law, they're not authorized to act but she does not address what would happen if there had been authorized. And for example, the United States Supreme Court in Reigns against Byrd, there you had an explicit authorization from members of Congress to come into court and challenge the constitutionality of a particular line item veto statute. The United States Supreme Court in Reigns against Byrd said that is not sufficient to give Article III standing. So if that's not sufficient to give Article III standing, even if California were to permit 
proponents to intervene. And even if California were to permit proponents to have standing, that would not, in our view, Your Honor, provide Article III standing under the applicable decisions of the United States well, Supreme Court. Well, if it hasn't been decided and, uh, by the California Supreme Court and the United States Supreme Court, rather than kill an initiative that uh, the voters have passed, uh, wouldn't it be advisable to attempt to get a legal answer to this question uh, before saying, uh, you know, we're going to let a district judge whose ruling is binding on a couple of county clerks uh, make a final decision uh, without finding out from the California Supreme Court and the United States Supreme Court whether they're standing and then we can reach the merits. Would that not be advisable? Your, Your Honor, I, I would suggest that because it is so clear that in order to have an ability to invoke the jurisdiction of this court, the appellants here must have a personal, concrete, particularized injury, and they don't. There is nothing that the California court could say that would provide Article III constitutional standing to these proponents. It doesn't make any difference whether or not the California law or anybody else tries to give these people standing under the federal constitution, the case and controversy clause of the constitution. They don't have standing unless they have a personal, concrete, and particularized injury. The United States Supreme Court has held that over and over again. And the United States Supreme Court said even members of Congress, even if they're acting pursuant to a grant of jurisdiction by the Congress of the United States do not have that Article III standing because they don't have that personal interest. So you would, if we did certify this question to the California Supreme Court, and the California Supreme Court came back and said, uh, reading the Constitution of California together, we don't think that it is appropriate that, that the governor and attorney general can affect veto a proposition. Therefore, we think under California law that it's appropriate for proponents of a ballot proposition to stand in when they refuse. That even if the California Supreme Court said what I just described, you would be back here arguing what you just argued. We would, Your Honor. Uh, and and I, would, I would say that if the California Supreme Court believed that in order to save the initiative, it had to be defended, the way for it to have done that would be to grant the mandate requiring the Attorney General to come in and do so. They did not do so. These uh, appellants did not even ask them to do so. Let me move to another question. If neither the proponents nor Imperial have standing, and therefore we dismiss the appeal, do we have any power or authority to address the scope of the injunction? I do not believe so, Your Honor. So the, you're suggesting then that there is no authority any place at which would allow us to determine the scope of the injunction. If, if, the, court, if the court concluded 
that the scope of the injunction was somehow beyond the subject matter jurisdiction of the court below, then I'm not prepared to say that the court does not have the power sui sponte to do something about it. Uh, but I do not believe that there is any, any precedent that I'm aware of for that. Um, you're, you're saying in any event that the scope of the injunction is quite limited. The scope is, Your Honor. It, it's simply limited to two counties, and then you're counting on the Attorney General uh, to go into state court and have state court expand the injunction to the other counties. I wouldn't put it exactly that way, Your Honor, but I, I know that's what the court is saying. It may not be the best legal terms, but that's the practical. The, 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 the practical terms is that we do have to depend on the governor and the attorney general. Well, you're lucky the election came out the way it did. <laughs> Perhaps, Your Honor. So, so, Mr. Oh. Boyce, suppose we were to agree with the position, the panel were to agree with the position that you've just taken. Would Ms. Vargas be able to file a declaratory judgment action in the Northern District asking whether the injunction binds her or other county clerks? I believe that she could, she could do that, Your Honor. Um, I believe she could do that. And if the uh, court determined that she was bound by the injunction, what would happen then? Uh, then she could have an appeal. And she uh, would have standing. And she could have standing in that situation. She would have standing. Yes. I mean, I, th I, think, that, I think that the court below, I would urge the court below, and I believe the court below, would interpret its injunction as applying only to the defendants in that case. So she would not um, uh, be bound, by, directly so bound. So uh, that's what you would argue, and if the district court agreed with you, then Ms. Vargas would be free to refuse marriage licenses in Imperial County to same-sex couples. She would, except to the extent that the Attorney General and Governor of California move, as I believe they have an obligation to under the California Constitution, to make the um, uh, marriage laws uniform throughout the state and to abide by the injunction that's been issued against them uh, in the case below. Why not bring all of these issues together and decide them right here? Your Honor, so that it's clear in California who has the right to marry and who doesn't, and what clerks are supposed to do when same-sex couples ask for the issuance of a marriage license. Your, Your Honor, um, that was exactly um, the situation that was addressed by the United States Supreme Court in Reigns Against Bird, when the court said, we must put aside the natural urge to proceed directly to the merits of this important dispute and to settle it for the sake of convenience and efficiency. And what the court said is that constitutional standing serves so many important purposes that it is not open to the courts to simply say, let's get it all together, let's settle it now, that's the most efficient way to do it. There are important constitutional and policy reasons that underlie 
the standing requirements. Where it is clear, and I respectfully suggest to this court, it is crystal clear in this case. It, these appellants believe, do not have standing. It's hard to believe that you deliberately only wanted to get a judgment in Alameda and Los Angeles and didn't want to get a judgment that this was, that, that this judge's ruling applied throughout the state. But forget that. It's, it's hard for me to believe that a lawyer of, with your ability and fame and uh, whatever else you have, <laughs> even if you lost to Mr. Olson. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's hard for me to believe that. But let me ask you one other question. This marriage system we have in California is an integrated system, as you say. The, State's supposed to give the clerk orders. Everybody does all these things. They all act in concert in a scheme to get two people married. It takes a lot of people to do this. But they're all acting together. Uh, doesn't the injunction run to all of those who are acting in concert to perform, get this marriage done between two people? And aren't those people covered by the injunction? because it covers all of those who are acting in concert? Well, Your Honor, the, the, injunction, the, the injunction itself um, did not go as broad as it might have under Rule 65. Uh, the injunction itself um, is directed to defendants in their official capacities and all persons under the control or supervision of defendants. And, and that's, that, that is the limitation uh, of the injunction that was actually entered. I, and now, uh, one of the defendants that we haven't mentioned is the registrar. The registrar is the person who is responsible for the form and content of the marriage license. Um, the registrar, the state registrar, who is the de defendant here, will, under this injunction, have to change the form and content of that marriage license. And for that reason, I'm some surprised by your answer to whether the clerk could even bring the motion for declaratory judgment. Because as I understand Lockyer, the registrar puts together the form, the questions to be asked, all of the particular things that the clerk needs to know and as I understand Lockyer, the clerk only completes in a ministerial way the forms. Therefore, only completing in a ministerial way the forms, how would the clerk then bring any set or appropriate case about what she's to do? I, I, think, I think you're exactly right, Your Honor. And I don't think the court could. I think the one possibility, though, is that if the court were to uh, say, I am concerned that the injunction that you have issued binds me before the registrar has even given me any further instructions or additional forms, she would have the narrow ability to simply ask the court whether the injunction binds her, the deputy clerk, directly or not. Um, but I, I agree with Your Honor that the deputy clerk, or e even the clerk, if, if the real clerk was here, would not have any standing to uh, uh, 
contest that issue or even litigate that issue. It is purely a ministerial function, as the court says. I would um, uh, try to end with, with two points. One is that this case is, at the federal level, a reflection of what happened at the state level uh, with, in the in-ray marriage cases, in which you didn't have the clerks, you didn't have other defendants. What you had is the state defendants and the attorney general uh, and the governor and the registrar as respondents. Those are the proper respondents. Uh, the appellants here do not have the personal, concrete, particularized injury that this court in the city of Lake Tahoe made absolutely clear it was the law, that the United States Supreme Court repeatedly has made clear is the law, that Justice Ginsburg's opinion, I think, makes particularly clear is the law. They do not have standing. And because they do not have standing, all of the other concerns, and they're legitimate concerns from a policy standpoint. We could have a different system of government where you didn't need this kind of standing. But those kinds of concerns exist in every standing case, uh, whether uh, it's abortion. We, okay, you're uh, running over, and uh, we know that the uh, about how important standing is, but let me ask you one more question. Under Rule 65, uh, anyone who is served who is acting in concert uh, with the people uh, against whom the injunction is, uh, people named in the injunction, uh, all people who act in concert or participate with them are bound if they are served. Now, would that not apply to any clerk who is uh, involved in the marriage business in California in this group I described to you where it is an integrated process uh, so that would not anyone bound by the injunction have a right to appeal? Uh, I, think, I think people uh, directly bound by the injunction would have the right to, to appeal. I do not believe these appellants are directly bound by the injunction because the injunction makes clear who is bound. Uh, if they uh, are acting in concert with somebody and we serve them with the injunction, which we have not done uh, uh, and would not do, uh, then the issue would be whether that binds them or not. I, I did point out to the court that the form of injunction here does not use the in concert language. It talks no, about I, control no, I and said the rule uh, 65 does. Right. Uh, it doesn't have to be in the injunction. The rule says that anyone who does that is bound. And I'm not sure whether if you have knowledge uh, that would be enough or whether you have to be served. You might serve them. That would help us clear up the case. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think we'd right, probably you decline for, that, Your Honor. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, now, Mr. Cooper. You must have a lot to say after hearing all of that. <laughs> I have a lot to say. I have little time to say it. But the one thing that to me is most important to say, Your Honor, is that you put your finger, uh, I believe, uh, precisely, uh, Judge Reinhart, on the key point from, uh, from, from Arizonans as Justice Ginsburg distinguished Karcher. This is what she said, and this is the language I think you were referring to. She dis distinguished it this way. No one 
in Arizonans had identified any Arizona law appointing initiative sponsors as agents of the people of Arizona to defend, in lieu of public officials, the constitutionality of initiatives made law of the state. Well, in Karcher, what law from New Jersey did the Speaker and the President of the Senate bring to the Supreme Court? They brought a New Jersey Supreme Court decision allowing them, in the Forsyth case, to intervene and to defend a New Jersey a, a, a constitutional challenge to New, New Jersey state statute. What in, law do in, I bring in, you? Excuse me, there one, just one quick point. In Karcher, wasn't the state attorney general willing to defend? The state attorney general did not defend. Uh, I don't believe he was willing to defend except to the extent that the uh, decision might result in attorney's fees against the state. He was willing to reserve some uh, right to defend in that respect. But it, it is at least my understanding that the only individuals who took a notice of appeal, and that's what we're dealing with here, took a notice of appeal to the Third Circuit, were the president and the, and the speaker. And, and what law do I bring you? I bring you exactly the same law that the legislative officers brought the Supreme Court in Karcher, because I bring you the Strauss case, a case in which these very proponents were allowed to intervene in lieu of the state officials who, who did not defend the statute, allowed to intervene to do so standing alone, Your Honor. And certainly, uh, Judge Reinhardt, you, uh, my, my time is, is, is expired, but I would like to conclude by saying if you don't agree with me that uh, we have standing by virtue of uh, the analogy to Karcher, then I, then I do urge you to ask the California Supreme Court this issue. You uh, dismiss this case, stand a single district court decision, single district court judge decision, uh, uh, nullifying the will of the people of over 7 million Californians. Thank you very much, Your Honor. Thank you, Counsel. Uh, the court will take a brief 10-minute recess uh, and will return for the second hour. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, they will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently for You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not yes, we can. what your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you beat. Get, 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 get. 
Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio, Potable, and more. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 